Acts 18. And before we read this, I'll give you a preface again on what we're talking about on Wednesday night. Now, what we're talking about tonight has to do with acting like we're more grown up spiritually than we have been. We have been talking about growing up spiritually. Tonight and last Wednesday, we're actually giving us an action plan so we can, so to speak, prove that we're growing up. Have some actions to accompany the fact, hey, we're growing up spiritually. So if you hear some things tonight that you don't want to hear, that's okay. You know, you shouldn't just eat foods you like. You should also eat foods that you need. If you don't want sicknesses and diseases to develop in you, there's some things you're going to have to eat or you're going to have to get a vitamin supplement or something physically. And there's also some things you're going to have to eat spiritually whether you have a taste for them or not because they're good for you. They will keep you healthy. They will keep you strong. They will keep you well. Not every, not every time we go to church, you might go, wow, that was an amazing message. There may be times you go to church and you go, wow, that didn't feel real good. And the reason is, is because the Lord loves you. He only rebukes, He only corrects those that He loves. If you're never corrected, you're not, you're not for some reason, God's love's not getting to you. So don't feel bad if you hear something that you don't like. We've all been there. We'll just trust the Lord to help us to digest it properly. In Acts 18, let's look here at verse 9 through 11. Acts 18, 9 through 11. We're talking about it all starts here. And so look here at verse 9 through 11. Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. And this is what Jesus said. Don't be afraid, but speak. How many know there's going to be times you're going to be afraid or fear is going to try to get you to not invite somebody to church? To not say that you're a believer in Jesus. Sometimes in this crazy world, it's not the most popular thing to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus and that he died on the cross for my sins. Do you all realize there are some people that may not like you? Do you realize there's some people that might fire you for standing up for your faith? I think, oh, that would be terrible. Tell Paul about it. He got a lot more persecution than just being fired from a job. I mean, there's some things in the days we're living in today. If we do Christianity right these days, we will be persecuted. I need to say that again. If we do Christianity right these days, we will be hated by some people. If we stand up and say, God said this is right, I believe it. God said this is wrong, I believe it. Some people will disassociate themselves with you. They will say you are abusing them. Do you realize that there's some places right now where if you just open up the Bible to Romans chapter 2 and start reading and say, all you have to say is, I believe that's the truth, you will be persecuted heavily and maybe even threatened with a lawsuit. What do we do, church? Well, we water it down, become all-inclusive, and say, you know, maybe it's not that bad. No. We're not talking about forcing things on people. We're not talking about making people feel bad. But we are talking about not modifying what the Scripture says. If the Bible says it's wrong, I believe the Bible's right. Now... 
Paul was heavily persecuted for this. He talked about being persecuted and the offense of the cross. He talked about all these things. And we have to realize the day we're living in today, if we do Christianity right, there will be some people who will not like us. You want to see an interesting scripture before we read on here? Go to John 7. John chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus is speaking, and he said in verse 7, The world cannot hate you, talking to the Pharisees and other sinners of the day. Notice what he said. The world cannot hate you, but me it hates. Why? And why is the world going to hate us? Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Do you realize this is how you're going to be hated by some people? Standing up and saying, those works are evil, friend. And how many know you can love somebody in sin and hate the sin that they're practicing? You can love somebody that's lying and totally hate lying. Do you realize that? What did Jesus say to the woman? He said, the woman caught in the act of adultery. He said, woman, I don't condemn you, but that doesn't mean I don't recognize you sinned. Can you not condemn somebody, hmm? but again, not deny the fact that they sinned? Right. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. He obviously recognized she sinned and, and was in sin and adultery. Right. She, he recognized, but at the same time that he recognized that, he said, I don't condemn you. And the world, the people need to know that just because we disagree with your actions doesn't mean we don't love you. Most people won't interpret it that way because they don't want to let go of their sin for one reason. But here it said the world, Jesus said the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. Now why? Why did the world hate Jesus and why will some people get mad or hate us? Because we're going to testify and not modify the fact there's some works that are still called evil. God calls it sin, we call it sin. And that's, you know... (laughs) We want everybody to love the Lord. We want everybody to love the Scriptures. We want everybody to love the Bible. But that's not going to happen. Many of them are. And they're going to follow and they're going to come. They're going to be a part. But some of them are not. And we can't just be all-inclusive. I was thinking, even just earlier today, I've thought about these things quite a bit in, in the church, in the pastoring position that I'm in. Do you realize there are some people that we don't want in our church? I don't want to just say, everybody, come on with everything. There's some people we don't want here. And there's some people that should not be here. How many think it's a good idea that we believe God for the people that are called here and also believe God for the angels to keep out those that aren't, that would maybe cause problems here? And sometimes when you have rules in the church, because every church, if you don't have rules, you just don't love people because chaos is not love. But sometimes when you have rules in a church, sometimes you you just want to bend those rules so that people won't be offended. But did you ever think about it? If If a common, sane rule offends somebody and they leave the church, maybe that's better for the church. Why would we want to bend the rules 
for someone who'd cause trouble later anyway. Does that make sense? And so all I'm saying is, see, this is Wednesday night. We can handle a little bit more on a Wednesday night. Of course, we want the huddled masses. We want the burned out, the stressed out. We want the dope addicts. We want the prostitutes. We want them all coming to Faith Heights Church. Matter of fact, it's usually those are the people that really catch the spirit of what's going on. They're the ones that get saved, cleaned up, and strong, and move on with God. It's usually religious people that already have their minds made up about certain doctrines that cause you problems in the church. But anyway, moving right along. So did you see here, if the world hated Jesus because he's called sin, sin? Well, the world's probably going to hate us if we call sin, sin. And that's the reason they hate us, is because they don't want us telling them that what they love doing is wrong. And I'm not saying force it on them. We're not saying just preach it on them, just over... No, but if the opportunity comes up and the, and the cameras are on you, I think there's two options we have when it comes to these things. If the, if the cameras are on you and you're in front of the entire world and they ask you, is this a sin? And you know from the scriptures that it is. We have two options. We could say, the Bible says it is and I believe the Bible or no comment. Right. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Acts 18. Let's go back to Acts. That was all free. And this will be free too. <laughs> it's all free. Acts 18. Let's go back here and let's read some more verses here. Acts 18, verses 9 through 11. Then spoke the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Don't be afraid, but speak. And don't hold your peace. See, Paul had been persecuted already for saying, preaching the gospel. And Jesus knew that he might be a little bit hesitant to do it again. But the Lord said, don't be hesitant. I'm with you. And no man will set on you to hurt you. For I have much people in this city. All right, and the city he's talking about here, I believe, is Corinth. And he's telling them now, if you were back then, you wouldn't think Corinth was a mission field. You'd think it's just this high tech city where a lot of people, you know, shop and do all this other stuff. And we have to get out of our mind that mission fields are thousands of miles away. This is a mission field. Grand Junction. Mesa County, the Grand Valley, is a mission field. If you don't believe it is, just read the newspaper, watch some of the news, and see all the tragedies that are happening. There are people that are lost here. There's people that are dying. There's people that are suicidal. There's people that are sick. There's people that are lonely. There's people that are afraid. Why would we have to go 5,000 miles away to start helping people? They're all around us. Right. Now, if the Lord calls you to go 5,000 miles away, that's one thing. But... That doesn't have to happen for you to be right in the middle of God's perfect will in this missions area. And that's why we had that graphic up there too where it has a little circle around our, our area in Grand Junction because it all starts right here. Grand Junction is our mission field. This is where it starts. It may not end here. I mean, I guess if we get the whole city saved, we've got to go somewhere else get people saved, right? Or at least everybody who wants to be saved and then maybe Jesus said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So it all starts in Jerusalem. And our Jerusalem is Grand Junction. Can I get a witness, church? So turn with me to Acts chapter 1. 
And as you're turning there, I'm going to mention just a few things here on my notes, and I'm going to sit down here for a second. Um, Many people in our city would absolutely love our church if they knew we were here. How many believe that? If people knew who we were and they knew a little bit about this loving family, they'd want to be here. I just, you know, I got to invite another one of my friends to church on Sunday, an old rocker from the past and a great guitar player. And um, I, I was able to talk to him and found out that there was a, uh, an issue in his life that uh, you know, someone had passed away and he was you know, kind of hurting about that. And, you know, we need to be sensitive to people all around us who are hurting. You'll hear little things throughout the day, just little things realizing, oh, wow, that's something I can address. That's, I could tell them everything's going to be okay. I could tell them I'm going to pray for them. I, um, I had the honor and the privilege of visiting one of our members in the hospital yesterday. And I'm not going to mention his name yet, but I will on Sunday. I'm going to share this in detail. But one of our members uh, is, was in the hospital and still is. And this member of ours, and most of you would know him, some of you may know him, I'll make it clear on Sunday, he had a vision of Jesus two days ago. And he's a totally changed man. Completely changed. Um, He he thought he was going to die because they said he'd probably die. And then he had this vision of the Lord, just, just open vision of Jesus, He went to heaven, and then angels brought him right before Jesus. And there were some things the Lord said to this young man that changed his life forever. He told the nurses. He told the doctor. He told me. He told his parents. Powerful. His life will never be the same. He was weeping as he was telling me. I started to cry. And some of the things he said actually have to do with some of the things we're saying right now. I'll say it more in detail on Sunday because I want to wait till the whole family's here. But one of the things I realized is that Jesus is very, very touched when we don't share those comforting words with people who we know we could share words with, but we're just choosing not to because, well, I'm not a preacher and that's the pastor's job. And the Lord was very touched that people weren't doing this. And he's very touched when we do do these simple little things that we think are, well, what what difference could that make? Do you realize one small Christian gesture towards somebody who's going through something could cause them to miss hell and make heaven down the road somewhere? Do you realize these little tweaks in people's lives can affect their eternal destiny? And so he got a revelation of that. And like I said, I'll share more in detail what he said on Sunday because it goes right along with our what is heaven like messages. But I wanted to, to share at least that much with you right there. We have got to look at these little opportunities as major deals when it comes to the Lord and His heart for people and and their destiny in the end. So many people in our city would love us if they just knew who we were and what we were all about. Um, Acts chapter 1, look here at verse 8. Acts 1, 8. Jesus said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? So we can jump and shout? Well, not number one, no. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Grand Junction, and Mesa County, and Colorado, and the uttermost parts of the earth. What's the number one reason the Holy Ghost comes on us? 
so we can be a witness. Did you think about it, guys? Every one of you in this church right now, if you're born again, you have something to say to everybody around you when the door opens and when the Spirit prompts you and when you can tell they're hungry. You know why? You've witnessed something. What have I witnessed? Were you there when you got saved? Yeah. Were you there when you got saved? Were you there when the Lord answered a prayer? Yeah. Were you there when you got filled with the Spirit? Yes. Then you're a witness. You're a first-hand eyewitness of that thing the Lord did for you. You were there. And don't think it's small and light. We forget a lot of times what it's like to be without hope. We forget a lot of times what it's like to be without depression. Because we've lived free for so many years and decades. Well, there's people like we used to be all around us. I mean, the friend that I got to, to talk to, as they came into the meet and greet room, I just uh, I got a hold of him on, on Messenger today, and he's planning on coming back with his wife. They said there's time for a change in our life. John, the words you shared really helped me. It was just the Lord helping me, but you have to be open. You've got to be listening. I, I didn't think it was going to change his life. I didn't think they were going to want to come back just because what we said. I mean, they enjoyed the service. It was wonderful. But now they want to come back. They want to change their life and be a part of the church. That's awesome. I told you... Sir, we told you that there's an anointing to evangelize like never before in the earth after Billy Graham went to heaven. That evangelistic anointing didn't go with him. There's nobody needing saved in heaven. It fell back on the earth and I believe it's up for grabs. I believe there's enough to go around and God will turn it up even if he has to. So I want to encourage you guys, don't wait for something to motivate you. Don't wait for something to pull you or push you. Just be aware of the fact that there's people all around you that need something you have on the inside of you. Your testimony, a good word, a prayer, an invitation. And I don't think people have seen this quite as clearly as they need to. In Philippians 4.1, and you can turn there, Tina. Philippians 4.1, Paul's joy... And everybody wants joy, right? They're trying to get it through a pill, through a bottle, through another person, a relationship, a a place. Everybody wants joy, but they're looking for it in the wrong place. Where's our joy? Look up here. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy. Where is Paul's joy? I I found this out through personal experience. If we're not reaching out and helping other people, we are totally open to depression coming into our lives. Because freedom from depression is not about thinking about us and how we can get free from depression. Freedom from depression is a side effect of helping other people, being a blessing to others, being around others. People that are depressed, they want to be all by themselves. Worst thing you can do. Unless you're praying and seeking God and going out and then helping people. The worst thing you can do is, is, is get all by yourself. No, no. Our joy is in helping other people. So if you're looking for joy, where is it? Where is your joy? Come on, where is your joy? Is it in somebody coming to you? No, it's in you going to them. Paul was ministering to these people and he said, You're my joy and you're my crown. You know, just recently, you know, these, these ripples of, of depression and darkness try to come to all of us. I feel them. You feel them. At times you feel them. For no reason at all, you just feel like, huh, something doesn't feel right. Well, I do a couple of things. Number one, I ask, Lord, is this a burden of prayer for somebody else who's going through something who doesn't know how to get a hold of you? If it is, I'll pray it through. Or is it just I need to stomp my foot and say, oppression, I resist you in Jesus' name and believe it goes? 
Or do I need to get out there and start helping these other people? Because maybe some of that depression is you picking up what other people are going through who don't know how to get through it on their own. Just recently, I was feeling kind of heavy. And then we went out to lunch or something like that. We went out to lunch. And just being around other people, I started thinking, wow, we're called to reach these people. We're called to help these people. My heart started going out to these people. And it's like, it was like a medicine. And I don't want us to go out there and help people just so we can feel better. But it is an answer to why many people are depressed. And there's some people that have been hearing the word for decades in this church. And they haven't brought anybody to their church in decades. What's that called? That's called not right. No wonder there's still problems in these people's lives. No wonder there's still problems and challenges and, and inability to overcome things. You're not using what you get. I like something Dominic said. He said a few weeks ago that people, a lot of times, they come to church and hear the word only with them in mind. Themselves. We need to come to church with other people we're called to minister to in mind. I'm not being just satisfied. I'm being equipped. And in the process, you will be taken care of because people that are helping other people have to be free from depression. And God knows that. People that are into helping other people, people, soul winners must be prosperous. They have to be healed. And God knows that. And I think we need to grow. We've been talking about growing up spiritually for quite a while. It's time to start putting some feet to the level of maturity that we're presently at. And one of the things we need to be doing is we need to be reaching out to people and bringing them to Jesus. Well, where's Jesus, Pastor? Right here. We are the body of Christ. It doesn't get any more than Jesus than that in the earth realm. The church is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We are the body of Christ. Bringing people to this church is bringing him to us. Right? He is us. We is he. We got to get that. We got to believe that's true. We've seen it. We've brought like 19 people to church in the last seven months. The majority of them are hooked. They're staying. They're tithing. They're giving. They're serving. And I'm the pastor. I'm not even supposed to be doing that. I'm supposed to be equipping you to do that. Can somebody say amen or something? <laughs> but you know, I'm not saying it's wrong for me to do it. But... It, guys, I've been telling you, you're not going to experience this increased evangelistic anointing until you step out and start acting like it's there. Right. It's not going to go, whoa, I feel the anointing. Whoa, I'm going to go out and do this. Whoa, it's going to be, I'm going to do what I believe the Lord told us, and I'm going to step out, and I'm going to say this to the person on the other side of the counter at Subway, and I believe they're going to come to church. You will be amazed at the results if you'll just step out. Yeah. That's right. And I'm telling you, the Lord's protection, His health, His strength, His prosperity is all over our lives. Yeah. And I believe one of the reasons is because we have to have those things if we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Amen. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the devil attacks us too. <laughs> And, and even since we've started stepping out a little bit more, we've seen some higher level attacks, but we've got 10 times more protection too. I guess what I'm trying to say is this, guys. We have seen some results in our life. 
And we want you to have the same results. We're all going to hear well done for certain things. And one of the things we're going to hear well done for is we, we were aware of the people around us and realized we're all called to the ministry of being a witness. When he said that, he was talking to all believers, not just the apostles, not just his disciples. Everybody. Now, we're not all called to be a pastor like me. Not everybody's called to be a prophet. Not everybody's called to be an assistant pastor. But we're all called to be a witness. If, you're, if, you, if you have nothing to witness of, to witness about, then you're not even saved. And if you're not saved, I understand why we're not witnessing. We weren't there. There was no experience. There was no born-again experience. But if you're a born-again Christian, there is an experience. You do have something to say. Tell them about the peace that came into your life when you came to Jesus. Tell them about the, re- the, the revelation you're receiving in the church where the Word of God comes forth. I think we ought to all just take those invites and say, I want to invite you to a church that's changed my life. You obviously like being here or you wouldn't be here. Why don't we bring other people to what you like? And it's not hard. You know, we just taught for, what, four to eight weeks on growing up spiritually. And we've talked about the babyhood stage of Christianity, the childhood stage of Christianity, and the manhood stage of Christianity. Well, babies only think about themselves. Babies want comfort. That's about all they're looking for. If they're uncomfortable, you know it, and everybody else knows it. All they can think about is me, my comfort. Don't tell me to do anything strenuous. But as we grow in the Lord, as we grow up, we start realizing, I have a part in the family. I have a load to carry. I have a responsibility to fulfill. It's not all about me. I want to help pay the rent. I want to be a part. And yeah, it's called sacrifice. And it's a really good word because on the end of sacrifice is reward. I think a lot of times we quote scriptures halfway and and we think, oh, this just applies to everybody. You have to read the other half of the verse. Did you ever read the verse where it says, the Bible says, um, well, let's just look at it. Romans chapter 8. Look at this scripture here. Connected to what we're talking about. Am I getting too passionate for you? I feel like I'm getting a little loud here. Romans 8. I guess if there's anything to get passionate about, it's helping people get to heaven, right? <laughs> if we're going to have scream at the Bronco game, might as well get excited about winning souls. Romans 8. And uh, what scriptures did I give you there? I think I only gave you one out of Romans. And the projectionist can talk to me. That's okay. It's, you're not breaking the law. Did I, what Romans 8? What was it? 16. Romans 8. 16. The Spirit, Holy Spirit Himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Read the next verse. If we're children, then we're heirs of God. Right? Heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If! See, why would we say, oh, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir of Christ, if we're not doing the second part of the verse? We're heirs of God. We inherit all these things. We get to enjoy this inheritance if... If what? If we're believers? No. Not if we're believers. Not if we're Christians. 
we get, to it, we get in on this inheritance. This inheritance can be released to us if so be that we suffer with him. Well, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Well, sing all you want. You're not going to see much of it if you're just taking the convenient route every day. Doing only what you want to do. What you feel like doing. (laughs) The Bible says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. And a lot of this suffering is in the area of sacrifice. Some of it's in the area of persecution, like we talked about a few moments ago. A lot of this suffering is in the area of saying, you know what? I don't have time to witness to my neighbors, but I'm going to suffer a little and make time. Carla came up with a great idea the other day. We're not only going to have a coffee and lemonade get together in our neighborhood. You're going to have one the same day. We're going to have one and we'll let you know that date. And you're going to invite your neighbors or ladies or whatever you want. And you're going to bring them to your house. And you and we, we're all going to have a coffee and lemon. Why? To get to become friends with our neighbors. Why? Because we have something that we think they really, 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 really need. Don't we? How much difference is there between a born-again Christian and a a lost person? Not much. You know, just a little bit, you know. Uh. I mean, we shouldn't, you know, go out of our way to tell them what we got. I mean, I'm sure it'll all pan out in the end. Famous last words of the person in hell. It'll all pan out in the end. It doesn't pan out unless Jesus is in your heart. Right? And it doesn't pan out just because you're a good person. If you're good, being good gets you to heaven, then Jesus died in vain. I just want to encourage you, church, it's fun. You need to go for it. It's a blast. You need to realize that there's an anointing. You're an able minister. Get out there and do it. I, I have one of the coolest things is the people that we brought to this church in the last seven, eight months. The people we brought, one of the coolest things is seeing our people that, that were here already making friends with them. And enjoying new relationships. We kind of like to meet some of your friends and enjoy some new relationships. Deal? (laughs) You know what we did? We got an aerial from the appraiser's uh, website, the map of the appraiser. Google Maps not updated as much as we'd like it to be, but the appraiser map is pretty updated. And if you go on the Mesa County Assessor's uh, website, and so we could see the names of the neighbors that are around us. Or at least the owners of the houses. If they rent them out, it might be a little different. But we could see the name. We just started praying for them. Just started praying for them. Let me tell you something we need to do as a church. Write down the names of friends and family members and co-workers and acquaintances that would be somebody you want to pray for and see next to you in church someday, worshiping the Lord and following God's plan for their life. Write them down. Let's get serious about it. Write the names down. Pray over them. Lay hands on that list. And then be led. But don't wait for something to push you either. Sometimes if you, if you want to feel led, you need to grab the tip of a pencil. Okay, I feel led. Now I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do all along. Or have a lead bullet in your pocket. You go, I just don't feel lead. Oh, there, I, I feel lead. Okay. Yeah. 
Listen, you don't have to feel led of the Spirit to do what you're called to do. You want to be led in timings and you don't want to be pushing all that, but I think we've got enough word in us to do this very effectively. Here's the word the Lord gave us at the end of last year. This year is the year we're growing as a church. We're growing. There's all kinds of precious. If you don't think there's all kinds of precious people out there, just next time you go out in public, go get a sandwich or you go by the gas station or you go by the store, just open your eyes and look and see. A lot of the people you're seeing around you would love the Jesus that we serve. They would love you. They would love this church. They would love this body. And the only connection between them and the Lord could be you. This can be really fun. We had a, we had a couple, um, we had a, what did we have in the park? We have a little park by our house, at the, a community park. We had s'mores. And we decided to go out there. We got some of the praise team. We got some singers. We did an unplugged thing with the beatbox. Just started singing mostly Christian songs. But we sang some, some secular songs that weren't bad, you know, some Beatles songs and stuff like that. And the people came. We got the love on them. It's fun, you guys. The devil wants you to think, oh, you can't do that. That's not your personality. Tell the devil to shut up. Tell him that he just, he's just jealous because you're a child of God and he's not. He's, he's just trying to make life miserable for you because you're in a good place. All right. Let's look at something. Did you, Acts, did you see Acts? Did we got that? We got this one here about suffering. Go to another scripture with me. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read you a couple things before we read that verse there. The longer... Now, this has been people who've done studies on church growth and church history. The longer a church exists, the more concerned members become with self-preservation and less concerned with the church's original reason for being. We've been around a while is why I read that. Let's not be of those who are more concerned about self-preservation because we've been here so long. Hmm? Let's remember the original vision. Let me tell you our vision the shortest way I can put it. Our, let me say purpose. The purpose of this church is to grow up and go out. I guess I could go even shorter. Growing and going. I don't know how much shorter to get than that. We're here to grow up and then to grow out. Right? It's God's plan that we be no more children, but that we grow up. And Mark 16 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hebrews says, many of you, the time that you ought to be teachers have need again that somebody else teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. You should have been on meat, but you still need milk. There's a principle there. A lot of us, we're so ready to do what I'm talking about right now that more teaching isn't going to spring you into action. No. What happens if you keep eating and eating and eating and eating and never doing? Right? Spiritually speaking. And the more, the, the more spiritually overweight you become, the less you feel like doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because sure. you get comfortable kind of in a cruise mode. We're not called to cruise. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
We're called to turn the world upside down. There's people all over this community that need what you got, need what I got, and all we got to do is believe we can do it and start doing it. So let me say it again. The longer a church exists, the more concerned members become with self-preservation and less concerned with the church's original reason for being. There is a 2,000-year-old insight that any congregation can apply to reach more people. Here it is. This is the studies. You ready? Here it is. Non-Christians come to Christ and the church primarily through relationships with Christians. I believe in powerful advertisement. I believe in getting on the big screen in the movie theaters with our 30-second commercial that will change their life. But there's still nothing as successful as individuals going out. You know, there's some people right now, you've been thinking about your problem way too much. You've been meditating on how this thing's going to get fixed and how that thing's going to get fixed. And you are missing divine opportunities. You need to just say, you know what? I'm going to help people get to heaven. I'm going to help people get to church. I'm going to help people get to Jesus, get this teaching. And you will be amazed how your problem shrinks and leaves your life. You know why a lot of people still have problems? They're still thinking about them and holding on to them, telling everybody about them. What if we shifted gears, got into another realm and said, fooey on me and what I want. I got legs, I got breath, I got a brain. When you hear, when you hear this brother's testimony, you're going to cry too. Because he got, he got corrected by the Lord in some areas. And it changed him forever. And I believe one of the reasons he heard and saw this vision is to tell us uh, as a church and get some of us unstuck too in some areas. Jesus all the time quickens us. Not with a lightning bolt, not with an open vision from heaven, not with signs and wonders. He quickens us with just, it seems like I should talk to that person. Do you realize that little seems like is the direction of the head of the church. And it's a huge deal. How huge is, uh, it just seems like I should offer prayer to that person. I know they're struggling. How big is that? Well, let me say, how important is the book of Luke to you? Because you know how it starts off? Uh, Luke says, O Theophilus, it seemed good for me to write unto you of all these things that Jesus began both to do and to teach. It, was, it just seemed good. We need to be aware of that same part in our life because that's a lot of times the leading of the Lord. You're not going to have an open vision or a revelation or a writing on a wall. You're going to have it. It just seems like I need to say something. That's the Spirit of God prompting you. It just seems like I need to give this person that invite. Is it going to be convenient? Hardly ever. Huh? Are you going to have time? Probably not. How many glad Jesus still came to the earth, though he maybe had other things to do, and it wasn't convenient? These are the things we're going to be rewarded for. We're not going to be rewarded for just being comfortable and, and just taking care of self only. We're going to be rewarded for those times we stepped out of our busy schedule, did something we didn't feel like doing. It's called sacrifice. I think we need to talk a little bit more about sacrifice in these days. It's important stuff. There's lives all around us that need what we got. I never thought the few words I shared with my friend would cause him to want to come back and change his whole life and come back here with his wife and be a part of our church. He's a rocker. He plays in clubs all over in California and here. He's an amazing guitar player. But he went through a tough time. 
And thank God we were there for them. You never know someone's heart. You never know how they feel. Deepest dumps are the highest heights. Blackest blacks are the whitest whites. Words borrowed from the late Kenny Marks, a good friend of ours. Say a prayer for me tonight. You never know. I think we need to just kind of adjust the lens of our life and just and go from here to, to here. Christian friends and relatives bring twice as many new believers into local churches as all other reasons put together. Relationships, friendships. We, um, we actually made a move, a downgrade into the neighborhood we're in now as far as the, the size of a square foot of our house. And we are so glad we did. We could have thought about ourselves. We could have thought about bigger. We could have thought about this and that, fancier this and fancier that. Would have been a huge mistake. We're so thankful that we did. Would the Lord ever lead you to move into something a little different than what you're in now? <laughs> Would he? Oh, come on. These are still such petty sacrifices compared to what some of our forefathers sacrificed for the cause of Christ. You look at all the sufferings Paul went through, we're talking about a little bit more than just downscaling a little bit and moving to somewhere else. We need to get a little bit different attitude. I, think, I don't think we're reward-minded enough. The greater the sacrifice, the higher the rewards. All right, where did I tell you to go? First Thessalonians? All right, before we go there, let me finish reading this. Do you all realize that there's a big, big church service coming up called Easter Sunday? Huh? Remember I told you a couple weeks ago that the devil hates the white chairs. What that means is we have 200 white chairs that we could put out here for all the people that are coming because there's not enough room in the balcony or on the main floor. Hmm? If the devil hates the white chairs, it's because he knows the will of God is being done if they're filled. We are a great people. We can do this, guys. Don't wait to Easter, though. This Sunday, we're talking about what heaven's like. It's great for everybody. It's great for the non-believer. It's great for the young Christian. It's great for the older Christian. Who doesn't want to know about heaven? And God will slip nuggets of meat in there once in a while that the older believer will get and it'll go right over the younger believer's head so everybody gets filled with what they need. And the series after that, we've been talking in our staff meetings about the upcoming messages and they're not really going to be series on Sunday morning. It'll probably be one or two parts at the most because we want to get on to other things. The series will be like on Wednesdays. This is where mature believers are supposed to be as well as on Sunday morning, bringing people. It's time to bring people to church. You'll be surprised at how many want to come. And we're not, we're, we're the busiest people I know. Where do we have time for all this? You have to make it. You have to make room for it. Like the song we were singing, God, make room. Make room for it. What do you mean? Look at your agenda and see what's not connected to your high calling and knock it off. Put it on pause or just stop it forever. You've got to make room for the things of God. <laughs> you understand that? You can't just cram the things of God in your already overbooked schedule. 
you have to make room. You've got to say, this is an unauthorized involvement. This is taking way too much of my time, way too much of my energy. The Lord never told me to do that. I'm going to cut that off. But, it, but pastor, it might hurt. You need to praise God that it hurts. You've got to do something worthwhile, man. You've got to go the extra mile. You know, Paul, Paul, Paul like, he like, like the early church, even the apostles, they, they, count, they counted themselves worthy to suffer for his name's sake. They suffered a lot. And Paul said it this way. He said it kind of in a boasting way because he had stripes on his back. He had gashes. He got stoned. His head probably had, he probably had, his eyes probably got hit. And all. He, had, he, said, he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You can just hear his attitude in that. I bear. He was not ashamed of it. He, actually, he was actually blessed to be able to have to suffer for that, for the Lord. See, back in the early church, they counted, they counted that a blessing to have to suffer. They counted that a blessing. One reason is because there's some things waiting for them others aren't going to get who just played it safe. Hmm? Come on, church, we've got this vision before us. Let's grow. Let's move forward. It's time. This church, it's time. We, we, sh- we should be packed out. We should just go for it. Let's quit waiting for a move of God. Let's grow on purpose. Well, pastor, what's in it for me? Well, rewards in the next life are definitely in it for you, but also eternal friendships. I mean, it's just so cool to see people. I need to teach a whole class on mentoring. Everybody in this room, unless you've been born again only for one month, everybody should be mentoring somebody that you brought to church. You know what I mean? Mentoring? Holding on to. Texting every day. Encouraging them with scriptures. Going out for a meal. Calling them before Sunday. Everybody should be mentoring somebody. Now, I've got people I go to on a regular basis for accountability and talks and, you know, just to keep clean and transparent. But I've also got people that I take care of. So we should all be. We should all be finding people that we can... You know, when you bring people to the church, it's not just up to the church to follow up on them. We have a great follow-up group. We have a great in-reach department. It's wonderful. But that doesn't take the place of us doing our part. And how many... Can I just ask for a show of hands? How many of you love people? I mean, all things being equal, they're people you like. <laughs> Do you love people? Well, let's don't love in tongue or in word. Let's love in deed and in truth. Let's do something about it. There's coming a day, not too, too many clicks from now, that we're going to go praise the Lord. I went against my feelings. I did the uncomfortable. I sacrificed. I did the inconvenient. I made room for the things of God. There's coming a day you're going to be dancing and shouting that you did those things. Yeah. Mm. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter, I think it's chapter 2, verse 19. So again, Paul makes it clear what is our hope, our joy, 
our crown of rejoicing are not you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming. So where's your joy? Oh God, where's my joy? He's going to say, it's in your neighbor. It's in you reaching them. It's in you doing your best. Will everybody respond? No. Will everybody be happy? You may get cussed out once in a while. I don't know. What happens if you get cussed out for witnessing to somebody? Some time. What, what, what do you do if you get cussed out? You rejoice. And you say, praise God. The prophets were persecuted the exact, for the exact same reasons. And I'm going to be rewarded like they're going to be rewarded. And then you go on to somebody else. Right? What, what do you do if somebody fires you? Because of your stand for the Lord or your witness. What, what? And I'm not saying do something on the job that you shouldn't be doing. There's a time to witness and there's a time to work and be faithful to your employer. But what do you do if not everybody likes you? Well, you say, praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. You don't go, <laughs> they don't like me. They, they, they threatened me. And you should go, praise God. Be exceedingly glad and rejoice. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Stand up, please, because i got to close. <laughs> 